God bless you. Thank you, thank you. And what I'll say is, what I say every Sunday, which is our desire is for you to not just visit our church, but that you will make Jesus the Lord of your life and Downey First Christian Church your church home. You may have noticed I'm wearing a baptism t-shirt, which means we got two baptisms today for our Spanish service. So you can hang out if you want, and you can, and you can be a part of that uh, baptism. It's going to be early in the service, so if you want to hang out uh, just for a little bit longer, and we'll do that, and uh, a very exciting life change, which is what uh, it's all about. So if you have a Bible, please go to uh, Philippians chapter 4, and uh, starting in verse 6, this is uh, the scripture that we're going to be looking at today. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, you'll be able to see it on the screen as well. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Uh, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So today we're starting a brand new series, and this series is called Anxious for Nothing, Anxious for Nothing. So I just want to ask a question. Have you ever felt anxious? Are you feeling anxious right now? What's the thing that makes you the most anxious, that causes you the most anxiety? For me, is this scary thing that I have to do once a week in front of you. You may be surprised, but like, I'm a shy person, and this is always a challenge for me. Like, my dad grew up as a pastor, I'm, I'm fourth generation of pastors, and I was telling my dad, like, I get nervous. Like, every time I have to preach, I'm nervous. And I'm thinking, I'm standing right there, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm raising my hands. I'm like, God, I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. I'm thinking about those things, and I was sharing this with my dad, and he's like, yeah, I, understand. I totally understand. When I used to go preach, the first times that I would preach, I would drive in my car. I would have to stop the car, open the door, and throw up, and then keep going. Sorry for that image, but that's what my dad told me, because it made him very nervous. One of the things that produces the most anxiety I was reading about this is public speaking. Public speaking is the number one uh, thing that people are scared to do. And I get the privilege of doing it every week. So for me personally, that's the thing that that causes me uh, anxiety. And I have to constantly just be giving it up to God um, all the time. But what is it for you? What is the thing that causes you anxiety? Because if there's something that I hear over and over and over again in my office as I'm doing counseling and meeting with people is anxiety. I feel anxious. I feel depressed. I'm going through all of these things. What can I do? What is it for you? Is it work? Is it school? Is it relationships? Is it financial pressure? Is it expectations of others? What is it? Is it a medical illness? What is it? And so Paul is saying, stop it, which is kind of annoying. He's like, don't be anxious about anything. I'm like, don't you hate it when people do that? Like, you're mad. and like, why are you so mad? And that just makes you madder. And he's telling them, like, be anxious for nothing. Just don't be anxious like it's, like it's an easy thing. But the, the good thing about this is that, is that Paul is going to give us some tools here, some, some action steps that we can take in order to deal with anxiety. 
You see, because the problem is I've made the mistake in the past. When I, when I wasn't very familiar with the concept of anxiety and depression until it hit me close in my family, I thought it was as simple as just shaking it off because in my mind it was simple. Because I, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't have depression and I don't have clinical anxiety. I just get anxious. But, but in my mind, I'm like, just shake it off. Like, what's the problem? Just go for a run, you know? Just kind of just, you know, get your mind off the things that are negative and just keep going. That was my inclination. Now, the interesting, interesting thing is that, is that Paul, when he's writing this, this letter to this church in a, in a Roman colony called Philippi, which were, um, there was a lot of retired soldiers, so there was a lot of patriotism. And these uh, people who were patriots, when they pledged allegiance to Jesus, as opposed to the Roman Empire, they were persecuted. This was a persecuted church. And so Paul is writing to them, and they're feeling anxious. They're feeling anxiety. And Paul is writing this letter from prison. So he's probably feeling pretty anxious. And so when he writes this letter, he is very familiar with the concept of feeling anxious. And he's not telling them, just shake it off, by the way. He's not saying that. Just forget about it. Just stop being anxious. No, no, no. He's, he's actually talking to them and is giving them some interesting tools to be able to deal with anxiety. And what Paul is sharing with his church in Philippi is what I want to share with you today. He wants them to replace, he wants them to, he wants them to, to eliminate anxiety, and, and he's going to give us a way to be able to replace anxiety with peace. With peace. That's what he says. He says it. He literally says, and that this is a promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So what I want to talk about today is one of the most valuable things that I believe you can do to be able to replace your anxiety with peace. And here's the key. He's talking about the mind. Like the mind, where's your mind? Like what are you thinking about? What are you putting inside of your, of your mind? What are your thoughts that you're putting in there? He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says this, think about such things. It's a mind thing. There's something in our mind that has to switch our thinking in order to replace anxiety with peace. There's something that needs to happen here. And this will change you. So, so do it. Let's close in prayer. Right? It's just like, that's it. No, no, he's, he's going to help us here. He's going to help us here. Because you can't just force these things into your mind. So what I want to talk about today is one of the best ways in which you can replace this, this, this negativity and replace it with things that will allow for you to actually have peace. And so to do that, I want us to look at the early church, the first church. So we're going to go to the book of Acts, and we're just going to read one verse, Acts 2, 46, which gives us a small snapshot of what the church was like at the beginning. It says this, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So 
This, and this was not just a cool thing, like, hey, you, you know, they just met together. It's actually a mandate to meet together. We look at Hebrews 10.25 also says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, in order to have a healthy mindset, in order to be able to replace anxiety with peace, this, this meeting, this, this moment that we're in here together is very important. It's very important. This is a big deal. In fact, I, I uh, preached on this um, a couple of years ago, I think, and I talked about the uh, concept of the 72 most important hours in your year. The 72 most important hours in your year. And so, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, one year, one year has 8,760 hours. That's the amount of hours that one year has. We spend 350 of those hours eating. We spend 2,920 of those hours sleeping. We spend 5,475 minutes in the bathroom. And if you're a woman, you have to double it. Well, some men too, you know, it just depends. 1,000 hours on social media. This service lasts one hour and 15 minutes when we go long. That is 72 hours out of the 8,760 hours in a year. Brothers and sisters, that is 0.8% of your time. Do you think that God deserves 0.8% of your time? I think so. You see, and that's not just, that's not even the point. The point is that this is an important moment. This, is, this, this, this that we do here as we open the scriptures and we worship God is important. So I'll just say this. Come to church. Come to church. The enemy doesn't want you to be here because he knows the potential that changing your mindset will have and impacting the kingdom. You want to have noble thoughts, as the verse was saying, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And then you'll see, you will discover that anxiety will begin to calm down, and then peace will start to increase. However, I would lie to you if I were to tell you that Paul, when he wrote this letter, was referring to church as merely the thing that we do here for one hour a week. Because this is a strange setting. I don't know if you know that or not. But like the way we do church, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a strange setting. I'm up higher. You're down lower. I have a microphone. You have nothing. I'm talking. You're listening, right? It's, it's a strange setup. There's lights that are pointing this way. There's nothing wrong with this. But, but I would lie to you if I... If I told you that this is specifically what Paul referred to when he was saying that we shouldn't stop, that we, sh that we shouldn't uh, not meet together in this space. I always ask myself the question, like if Jesus showed up in here on a Sunday, just walks in, Jesus walks in, and he looks around. He looks at this setup. He looks at all the things that we have. And he says, that is exactly what I had in mind. It's perfect. You absolutely nailed it, right? What I think he would say 
is, yes, this is very efficient. And it's, and it's, I don't think you would have anything necessarily bad to say about the setup. However, I think that what he would say is, yes, this is very efficient, but I believe that God has more in store for you. Here's the big distinction. The early church disciples did not see church as something that they attended, but they saw themselves as a people who they were a part of. It's a big distinction. You find the answer in the original Greek. When we're when, whenever you see the word church in the New Testament, it's the Greek word ekklesia, which doesn't mean building. It means assembly. It's a political term that means people. It means a gathering of people. So at the essence of the church is not a building, it's a group of people. And here's my conviction. Jesus did not intend for your church experience to be merely one hour on a Sunday. I can tell you that with 100% certainty. You see, church is not a place you attend, but a people that you're a part of. That's why the Apostle Paul calls us a body, like a body. Everything is together. Everything is united. And you can't truly be part of a people, a body, by just coming to church. That's when the author of Hebrews says, don't stop meeting. He was not merely referring to this Sunday gathering. The early church, they had, they had a big meeting, temple courts, right? And then they had a smaller group of people that they would meet from house to house. They would meet during the week. That's what they would do. So we have the large gathering, and we also have small groups. We call them growth groups here. And so I'm going to give you an action step right now. If you have to leave, this is what the message is all about. This is what I, what I want to get you to do is to sign up today for a growth group. And I'm going to give you three reasons why. Three reasons why. But before I give you the three reasons why, I want to ask you a question. How many um, extroverts do we have here? Extroverts, okay. How many introverts? Which is a contradiction, because if you're an introvert, you're going to have a hard time raising your hand. Okay, so the ones that I would say probably 10% raise their hand for extroverts and then 10% raise their hand for introverts. I'm not sure what that means, but what I do know is that I was looking into it and it's about 50-50. 50% introverts, 50% extroverts. I'm an introvert. Um, if you're an extrovert, this is going to be easy. You're like, yeah, you just sign up for a group. You show up at somebody's house, you know, and you just be a part of a group. For the other 50%, it's harder because it's a bigger step. Like, who's going to be there? What is it going to be like? What if I'm not accepted? And I totally understand that. And so I want to give you three reasons why you should join a growth group. Reason number one, and this is all about human connection because that's the essence of growth groups is human connection. I want to give you the first reason. What happens with human connection? Number one, when you have human connection, it makes others believe. It makes others believe. When we're together, others believe. John chapter 17, this is Jesus praying. He says this, my prayer, this is Jesus praying for us, by the way. My prayer is not for them alone, disciples. I pray also for those who will believe, which is us, um, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Have you ever been at a restaurant and you see a family and they're all on their cell phones and they're not talking to each other? 
Have you ever been that family? <laughs> it's strange, right? You see, I think that, that, that church can easily turn into the social media of relationships. In other words, that we come into this place, we raise our hands, we sing, we hear a message, we go home, but we don't really connect to one another. That's not the idea. The idea is for us to be connected. And when they see us connected, when the world sees us connected, they will believe. Because who would ever believe a message from a group of people who, who can't even be connected within themselves, who can't even get along within themselves, who can't reconcile with each other? How are we supposed to ha have the ministry of reconciliation or reconcile people with God if we, can, we can't reconcile between one another? You see, the beauty of church is that we can come into this space with all the diversity and all the different perspectives and political views and all these things, but as long as we can sit around the table and, and share the bread and share the wine and, and be united by the sacrifice of Jesus, that's what the people from the outside will look inside and they'll be like, I don't know what they believe, but there's something true about that because they're sticking together. That's so important, and I believe that this space makes it very easy to just walk out the back door. So, number two. Do you guys like three points? It gives you hope, right? It's like, okay, one more to go. We're almost done. Number two, human connection moves the heart of God. Human connection moves the heart of God. Have you ever given a gift to someone who has everything? Like, oh, I don't even know what to get. Like, this person just like, not, I, nothing, I could go to Target, try to find stuff. Like, these people, they have everything. What could I possibly give to them? I feel like that about God sometimes. You know, God's the creator of the universe. What is it that I could possibly give him? Which is really interesting because he answers the question for us in Matthew chapter 25 when he's doing the parable of the sheep and the goats. It's very interesting. I'm going to read it here real quick. Matthew 25 Starting in verse 38, says this. When did we see you a stranger? Talk unto God. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you have done for me. It moves the heart of God when we help each other out, when we go and help people. Um, Carrie, our children's ministry director, she, uh, on Friday, they, her whole family, they went um, off, um, you know, into their new job and the new life. And one of the things that, that I was sharing with her on Friday when my wife and I went to see her, she was saying that there were so many people in this church that helped them in their time of need. That they helped them with food, they helped them with cards, they showed up with groceries, and she named specific people in this church. That's such a beautiful thing. That's such a beautiful thing. And it is those types of things when we do them that move the heart of God. They move the heart of God when, we are, when there's human connection. That's why 1 Corinthians 12 talks about us being a body. And if you have a, a body, you realize that everything is connected. If I have a headache and I need an aspirin, like, my whole body is engaged to be able to solve the problem. Like, I'm going to walk over. My brain is saying that's where the aspirin is. I'm getting it. Like, my whole body is engaged to be able to solve this issue. That's the idea with church. That's why we're called a body. Because your problem is supposed to be my problem. 
Your problem is supposed to be your problem. And we address these issues as if they were our own. And that moves the heart of God. We have over 100 one another's in the Bible. Love one another, be there for one another, pray for one another, etc., etc., etc. All right, human connection makes our message believable. Number two, moves the heart of God. Number three, human connection changes you. It changes you. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As I said earlier, I heard a pastor say, no one changes on Sunday, they just, you make them want to change. But life change actually happens when iron sharpens iron. It's the interaction between brothers and sisters and you're talking and you're praying together and you're figuring it out and you're calling and how are you doing? That interaction, that interaction changes you. It changes you. We say here in church that life change happens in circles, not in rows. You learn in rows, but you change in circles. That one-on-one interaction, which is what Paul was referring to, by the way, when he talks about the church, this group of people that know each other and are there for each other. You see, at the beginning, we were talking about changing your mind and, and understanding that this is the, the antidote for anxiety. It's changing those thoughts that are in your mind. And you can't just will those thoughts into existence, into your mind. You can't force them in there. But the right people in your life will do this for you. They will help you. They will help you have the right mindset. They will. I've said before that you are the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. In Spanish, we say, dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres, which is, tell me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. And this is so true. You see, this is why the church exists. And I dream of a church where our human connection is so profound that every interaction that we have outside of this church pales in comparison. And that this will be a, a, a group of people, a gathering, that will be so attractive that people will watch how we love one another and they'll just want to be a part of it. Just want to be with you guys. Want to hang out with you guys. I don't know what you guys even believe yet, but I certainly want to be a part of this group. That's what happened with the early church. The Bible says that that. that um, it was added to their number daily, those who were being saved. And they had favor with all the people. You see, human connection makes our message believable. It moves the heart of God. And it will change you. And I believe growth groups can do this for you if you let it. I truly believe it. A growth group is a group of 8 to 12 people that meet during the week to talk about, about God, the scriptures, and how it relates to your life. And we start today. Today, growth groups actually launch. This is the launch day for growth groups. We have 16 groups, and uh, I want to thank all the leaders who have stepped up to lead these groups. Thank you so much. Um, and I want to challenge you this morning. And here's the challenge. My challenge isn't join a growth group. No, no. 
I'm assuming everyone's going to join. My challenge to you is to make the decision today which group you're going to be a part of. Um, we have different ways to be able to sign up. We have a QR code that I believe uh, we have on the screen. Uh, you can just grab your phone and you can sign up there and the, the leaders of the group that you decide to be a part of will contact you. There's a sign-up sheet uh, on the way out. You can go to Downey First Christian Church, um, uh, dot org, Downey, sorry, downeyfirst.org and you can sign up there or you can literally just call on the phone and say, hey, I want to be a part of a group. So I'm going to close with this. We have a group of our best friends and our best friends are, are in Chile. The, 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 the friends that we've had for a long time are in Chile. And we, we met them in a growth group. That's how we met. And that was years ago. And to this day, we're still in touch. We stay in contact. We've been through everything together. We've been through illnesses. We've been through deaths. We've been through miscarriages. We've laughed our heads off. We've been sad together. It's a beautiful thing. This is what church is meant to be. You see, the result of a better mindset is going to result in peace. As you come to church on Sundays, as you join a group and you open your heart in these groups, your anxiety level will start to go down and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, meaning it's not logical. It's like, I feel better. I don't know why. That's the peace of God in your life. That's what's going to happen as a result of it. Let's pray together. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you so much for these moments that we share. We thank you so much for, for this church. And I want to pray, God, for those people in our church that, that maybe, you're, maybe that person's here right now and, and, and this person just knows that there's more. And maybe this person is here and they just, they want to find a place to belong. Maybe God, this person is, is here and they, they understand that this, this service is, is nice, it's great, it's helpful, but it's not enough. Maybe there's someone here, God, and they just feel disconnected. Lord, I pray that everyone today will sign up for a group. I know it sounds, God, like a weird sales pitch, but it's really not. Because we believe that this is where church happens, Lord. I pray for this, God, and I thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.